We are in a series called The Love of God. How many of you were here last week and heard the message that my husband started on The Love of God? Are you excited about that? It was so good. Did you enjoy it? Yes? Did you enjoy it? Well, last week, one of the points that he made in talking about the love of God, which is just such an incredibly broad topic, I feel like you could stay on that subject forever because the Bible says that God is love. So he just exudes that love and there's so many aspects of that to talk about. But in his message last week, he made one statement that has just been resounding in my spirit over and over and over. And it's that the love of God is constant and it is consistent. Do you remember that? from last week, the love of God is constant and it is consistent. And what he said about that was that the love of God is consistent. So it happens all the time, right? It goes from day to day to day to day. It never stops. It never runs out. It never runs dry. Can I get an amen on that? But then it's also constant. The love of God is constant, meaning if you, it's at the same amount. It's at the same level. He doesn't go love you at a level 10 on your good days and drop to a level five when you had a bad attitude. Can I get an amen? He's always loving you at the God size level. Amen. So he's loving you consistently and constantly, which that has just resonated with me. I didn't, it was something that maybe if you would have asked me, I could have maybe known that, but it wasn't something that I even realized that I needed to hear. He loves me consistently. I knew that but at the same level all the time, every day, and it doesn't wane. Can I get an amen? So today we're gonna to add another layer to that. So not only does God love me consistently, and not only does God love me constantly, but the Bible's very clear that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I have a couple of scriptures I want to read to you. And a couple of them are on the screen, but not all of them. So you can follow along. This one is Romans 8.38, and it says this. And I am convinced, and this is Paul talking. He's been through some stuff, and he's seen some stuff. And he says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I just get an amen? amen. Nothing, nothing. I think he's talking and encouraging the church because maybe they were going through a few things. And he was reminding them that it doesn't matter what you walk through, it doesn't matter, no, no physical force and no spiritual force. Nothing that's already happened, nothing that you're walking through today and nothing that you'll walk through tomorrow can ever separate you from the love of God. And I think he was trying to encourage them. But then I stepped over into the message translation, which isn't, a, um, a translation that I always spend a whole lot of time in. But as you begin to read and you kind of go a little bit further in the verses, this one isn't on the screen, but I want you to hear this, the message translation. None of this phases us, talking about all the things they were walking through, because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced, that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, 
thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely big letters nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Amen. Nothing can get between God and us, his love for us, because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. And I thought, what an incredible image that is. Can you just close your eyes for a minute and just picture Jesus embracing you? And I just think that when Jesus embraces us, it's not one of these like hugs, like kind of over here. Because of what he did for us, because of who he is, I just see him just coming and just wrapping his arms all around you. And I love that because the image is that he's saying, listen, Nothing that you're walking through even phases us. It doesn't even, doesn't even scare us. Why? Because nothing can get in between, not even separate, but nothing can even get in between. That means there's no space. There's nothing that can get a wedge in between God's love for you because of the way that Jesus has just embraced you. And he's just holding on to you. And nothing can separate you from his love. He's just, he's just there hanging on. Isn't that powerful? We're gonna come back to that. That gets me so excited. Some of you might say, okay, well, nothing can separate me from God's love, but what does that love look like? Let me give you a couple scriptures. I just wanna build your faith and I just wanna help us have the right image of what God's love is. First John 3, 1 says this, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. We are his children. He loves us. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It's not that we, we loved him. He did all of that without receiving anything back. He sent his son, Jesus. He, he, he offered him as a sacrifice. That's the love that he freely gave to us without receiving anything back. Isn't that awesome? Something we may know as Christians, you might say, oh gosh, Pastor Marie, I've known that for a lot of years. I, I believe that, but we often need to be remembered that he, wasn't, he did it without expecting anything in return. Amen? He still loved you that much without anything on the other side. He didn't do that because of how much you loved him. He did it because of how much he loved you. Amen? I love that. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, famous scripture, but just listen. This is who your God is. Love is patient. Oh, maybe we just need to stop there. <laughs> Love is patient. That means your God is patient with you. Can I get a hallelujah? Okay. Love is patient and kind. I need another hallelujah on that one. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Thank you, God. You're not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Let that sink in. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. Every, ev 
every single circumstance. His love endures through every single circumstance. There's not one that's exempt, not one that you might be walking through that it doesn't cover. His love endures through every single circumstance, which means his embrace is there in every single circumstance. And it doesn't matter how you feel, he's still embracing you. He still covers you and nothing can separate you from his love. First John 4, 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So your God is all of those things. So the Bible says that nothing can separate us from God's love. And we know that his embrace is there. We know that it's not distant, far off love. We know that he's close. We know that the characteristics of that is that he's patient, he's kind, that he's not jealous, he doesn't get irritated with us. Praise God for that. (laughs) I just laugh because I know my limitations, right? And I'm grateful that the Lord doesn't get irritated with me. Uh, But we know all of those things, and we know that God is love, and we know that that act is, that he's constantly pouring that over us, and we know that we've never been separated from his love, and that he does love us, but then there's these moments where we're like, okay, I get all of that, but how come I'm not seeing it active in my life right now? Have you ever been there? Have you ever walked through anything where you feel like maybe you're not seeing God active in your life right now? Where maybe life is screaming a whole lot louder at you than his love? Maybe that's not the first thing you're seeing, the first thing that you're focusing on. Maybe you don't feel like his embrace is right there. Maybe you do feel like some things have kind of gotten in between. Any ever, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand. You can if you want. I think every hand would be up. At some point in our lives, there have been moments when we feel that way. Right? So I would put forth to you today two things that I would suggest we consider. And we know, mentally, you may be walking through it, and you even know, well, I know God's love is there. But I would just present two thoughts. One, Stop getting distracted, and two, open your eyes. And I have some friends who are about ready to come to the platform to help me preach a little bit of this message this morning. And so if you are part of my friends, would you please make your way? Can we give it up for our friends coming onto the platform this morning? So some of you, I'm just going to go down. This, a lot of these guys are from Calvary Youth. So ladies and gentlemen, can just cheer for them. Lucas, Manuela, Bless, Noble, Gabe, Kylie, Christian, Nate, John, Angel, Booba, Terry Lynn, Jody, and Daniel. And then we're going to invite, I think Pastor Eric's coming to the platform as well. Pastor Eric, are you come, where, there he is. He's over there. Bacasio, Can you give it up for Bacasio this morning? Listen. Some of these guys have no idea what they're doing. Picasso, we're just picking on you this morning in a beautiful way. So can you just, he's, he, he's, he's, he's excited to help me. Maybe not, but he's acting like it. Okay, Picasso, come on over here. Okay, all right, all right. So here, this is what's about to happen. Now listen, they're gonna help me tell a story. Guys, you're gonna help me tell a story. Now some of you know what you're about to do, but others of you looking at me with blank faces because you really don't know what you're about to do because you're right. We haven't talked about this. We haven't talked about this, okay? All right, so they're they're gonna help me preach this message. How many of you have ever heard the story of Peter walking on water? (laughs) Some of you are lying. You're just not gonna raise your hand. 
I know, if you've been around church for a hot minute, you've heard the story of Peter walking out of the water. Okay, so we're gonna tell the story today and they're gonna help me pre this, preach this message. So you guys are my disciples, okay? So can you raise your hand, you're all my disciples. All my disciples. Now, there's a little bit more than 12 disciples this morning, so they've just multiplied like the loaves and the fishes and it's really great fun. So we excited about that? Yes. So. So these are my disciples. They have been just with Jesus. Jesus has just done an incredible miracle. He has just fed 5,000 people with very little food. They have just witnessed a real life miracle. You guys have just seen a real life miracle, okay? Now, this is, this is how this is gonna work. So I'm gonna read the story and I need you to help enact what's about to happen. Can I get it? Yeah, everybody? Yeah, you're excited about that. Okay, so you need to like, but you know, like these guys, they maybe have never heard the story. I mean, I know I just had them raise their hands, but some of them in this room have never heard the story. So you're gonna help teach them this whole story over here, okay? So in order for them to really understand what's going on, I mean, we just need you to just really get into character and be, you know, just really, just, just everything that we say, you're in a boat. Can we do that? You guys got this? Okay, give it up for them one more time. They're gonna be amazing. So, Bacasio is Jesus. Can we give it up for Bacasio? Bacasio is Jesus. Yes. Bacasio is going to be an amazing Jesus. We're excited about this. Okay, so ready. Are you guys ready? Yes. Now, this, this, listen, this is on your shoulders, okay? I just, you're acting, dig deep, acting skills, like from deep, you know, deep within, dramatic acting skills. So we want to see all your beautiful faces. So now you've gotten in the boat, so maybe give us a couple levels. Some of you get on your, get on your knees. Yeah, well, not everybody, because then I can't see all your faces. So some of you, some of you, some, some middle row maybe, pop up, you know, spread up. There we go. We, yeah, we just want to see. You guys are all going to be amazing. Okay, all right. Ready? Are guys, are we ready? Now, we may or may not have added a little bit of theatrical lighting to this, just to have some fun with it. So... Okay, here we go. All right, you ready? Okay, this is found in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 35. We're setting the stage. Oh, can I get some ooze? We got some mood, mood lighting happening right here, okay? All right, this was after Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. This is where we find our story happening. After sending them home, Jesus, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Jesus, can you pray? Be beautiful, beautiful. Yes, you, you are fervently praying. That's perfect. Way to go. <laughs> because you're, you're amazing. Okay. Night fell while he was there all alone. Oh, look, guys, and the lights. You guys are rock stars. Okay. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. Okay, wind, no, wait, wait, strong wind. Oh, that's great, strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. There's waves, waves coming into the boat. Okay, waves, waves pretend, you know, like, there, here you go. Waves, you're getting wet. Waves coming into the boat. That's beautiful. Um, fighting heavy, about three o'clock in the morning. Okay, the waves are still going, but about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. So Jesus has to stop praying. There you go. All right. And about three o'clock, Jesus came toward them walking on water. Oh, but you got to go slowly, Jesus. Slowly. And you're walking on water. I mean, just very stoic and regal. It's perfect. When the disciples saw him walking on water, Whoa. you see him. Yes. They were terrified. Whoa. The disciples were terrified. They were 
terrified. Ah! In their fear, they cried out. Ready? They cried out, it's a ghost. Go! Oh, it's a ghost. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He spoke to them at once and he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Take courage. I am here. I am here. Then Peter called to him. Where's Peter? <gasps> Give it up for Peter. Here's Peter. Peter called to him and said, Lord. Lord. If it's really you. If it's really you. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Tell me to come to you walking on water. All right. Yes, come, Jesus said. Yes, come. Okay, okay, but the winds and the waves are still going. It's a big boat. Peter had to get out of the big boat. Yeah, big boat, big boat. Let's try that. Oh, there you go, back again. All right, Peter, big boat. Had to get out of the big boat onto the waves. There you go, great job, Peter. All right, and then when, the, so, so Peter starts walking to him. He's walking in the water. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked in the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified. He was terrified. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. And he began to sink. He was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Save and Jesus me, Lord. immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? I know. Peter, Peter doesn't know. Peter, Peter. I don't know. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. They hug and embrace. They're on the water. They hug and embrace. Give him a hug. Give Jesus a hug. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Now, now Jesus, when then now they're walking back towards the boat. And disciples, there's still winds and waves and storm, all that. Yep, yep, good. You're coming to your finale. You did so good, guys. All right, and then when they get to the boat, when they climbed back into the boat, big boat. There you go. Beautiful job. When they got back in the boat, the wind and the waves stopped. Ooh, and the disciples worshiped him and said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. You really are the son of God. <laughs> Yay. All right, give it up for this amazing group. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. You were incredible. Well done, everybody. Guys, we have an incredible youth ministry here at Calvary. I'll tell you what, they're phenomenal. One more time. Pastor Eric does an incredible job with those kids. And I tell you what, they encounter the presence of God every Wednesday night. And they just are growing. And um, so I just love that. When you see them, bless them. If you have teenagers, you definitely want to make sure that they're here on Wednesday evenings. Amen? Amen. All right. So I love that story for so many reasons. And you say, okay, what does that have to do with never separating us from the love of God? Well, remember right before the message, ooh, I'm out of breath, that was fun. Um, the message I said, two things. One, I said, stop getting distracted. And then we said, open your eyes. And I wanna talk about that for a little bit. One, stop being distracted. When Peter was stepping out of the boat, he saw Jesus. And I think Peter just looked right into the face of Jesus. I think he saw his love. I think he saw his compassion. And his gaze was the eyes of Jesus. And then Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on water. And then, even though, let me say it this way, he began to walk on water. And then he began to see the waves and the wind and the storm and what began to happen. What happened? 
he began to sink. His eyes came off of Jesus, came off of looking solely at him. He got distracted and he began to sink. It reminds me of a story uh, in Job, where Job was going through a whole lot of stuff. And his wife looked at him. He had just lost so much. And his wife said, Job, just curse God and die. Be done with it. But Job wouldn't do it. He wouldn't curse God. And then it reminds me of another story that I read in the book, uh, in the Old Testament, and we talk about the Israelites. How many of you remember the story of the Israelites? And they're getting ready to go into take their promised land and take Jericho. And God had said, this is your promised land. This is where you're supposed to go. But they kind of veered off and they started looking at the situations and circumstances and they sent spies into the land. And they began, these spies started to look at the situation and circumstances and they started to get distracted and they came back and said, we can't do this. We can't do what God's called us to do. What I want to say is that in all of these individuals, distractions come, they can't personally, things can't separate us from the love of God, but we can stop looking at the love of God and start allowing all these other things to have a bigger voice in our life and then pull ourselves out of that walk with the love of God. We get distracted. We start allowing the waves, the circumstances, the things that we're going through to have a bigger say in our life than God, than focusing on His love. Do you know that what you focus on is that you, it's your perspective, what you see, what you focus on is the direction that your life is gonna be headed, right? So if my perspective, if I'm focusing on the love of God, then my life begins to follow and start going. Like I'm walking as if I'm a loved child of God. But when I take my eyes off of his love and I start looking at all of these things, I'm no longer walking in the direction. I'm starting to be distracted and walking in this direction. Does that make sense? I'm starting to walk in the direction of, uh-oh, all these situations and circumstances, they're bigger than me. They're bigger than God. They have more power in my life. They're the, they're the biggest say-so. I'm alone. Nobody's coming to help me. All of these other things and thought processes start to have a bigger voice in my life and I get distracted. And though God has never stopped loving me and nothing can separate me from God's love, I can get my gaze off of it and start walking in a different direction. So I pose a question to you, how many of us, these things try to get us to believe lies and so many times this happens. And I don't know how long you've walked with God, or maybe how, if it's been forever, or maybe it's been a short amount of time, but this can happen to any of us. The Israelites had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. They knew that when God said something, he fulfilled his promise because they'd seen him do it. But they still, when they went into Jericho, they still allowed their situations and circumstances to have a bigger voice than God's promise. So it's not even based on our experiences. These things try to get us to believe a lie. Things like no one's coming, that our situations are bigger than God, that maybe I'm not worthy, maybe I'm not able to trust or receive his love. What mindsets, concepts, or beliefs have we allowed to keep us from receiving or allowing God's love to operate in our lives? His love is there. We simply pull ourselves out. And I want to say this to you. The truth is, 
And this is the Bible. It says that we have victory over our circumstances. It's not the other way around. It's not that our circumstances have victory over us. The Bible says that we have victory over our circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter was walking on water. He was walking on the very thing that was trying to sink their ship. He got out of the boat and he saw the love of Jesus. He saw his eyes and he started walking on his situations and circumstances. He started having victory over the very, let me say it again. He started having, he was walking on the thing that was trying to take him out and separate him from the love of God. But he kept his gaze on Jesus and then he was walking on on situations and circumstances. We're supposed to have the victory over those things. Those things don't have victory over us. You know, the scripture right before the scripture in Romans, when I read at the beginning of the message that nothing can separate us from the love of God is this, Romans 8:37. right before it, it says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. That's the scripture right before, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then it goes on to say, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Listen. I need to say this again because I don't think you're understanding this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, but things will come to try to distract you to take your gaze off of God. What happened? What happened to Peter when he, got, when he stopped looking at Jesus? He began to sink and the situations and circumstances started to overtake him. But what was happening when he was looking at Jesus' face? He was walking on the situations and circumstances. He was victorious. He was conquering. God, God told us that he's made us more than conquerors, that we're above. I say it. I feel like I say these scriptures every time I speak, but it's because the enemy comes to attack with lies all the time. So that means we need to hear the truth, right? If we start to believe a lie, then we start to believe that all these other things are, have greater voice in our life than what God is saying to us. Listen, church, you are more than conquerors. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. God has put all things that you need on the inside of you for life and godliness. He's called you an overcomer. He's called you his children. His love is lavished on you. He's embracing you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So we need to act like it. It's one thing to go through stuff. His love is there, but we allow. Let me say that again. We allow. We allow those voices to be louder than God's. We allow it. They're coming. Things happen, but we have a choice what we're going to focus on and what, can, what has the loudest voice in our life. And I'm not saying that you don't get pulled away every once in a while or that you never see it or that you never feel it or you don't feel the waves or you don't feel the circumstances, but I am saying that you can pull your gaze back. And you can stop looking at that. And you can realign as much as you need to. If you have to realign once every 30 seconds, you realign once every 30 seconds. If you have to realign constantly, if you have to put scriptures up around your room, or or even in your car, if you have to put certain Christian music, and I will even go so far as to say, not all of it will, will, not all Christian music is created equal. I would go so far as to say, just even watch what Christian music is coming into your heart and into your spirit. Is it stuff that's uplifting, that's telling you God loves you? Or is it something that's whatever, but you know what I'm saying. 
But you have to be intentional during different seasons. What are you, you going to let fill your heart and spirit? But we choose. So I'm just so strong in the room this morning. Some of you, there's moments where, you, where, where as a pastor, you're, you're, you're compassionate, which is there because that's love. But then there's moments where there's this truth that needs to come out a little bit more forceful. And it's this, stop it. Stop getting distracted. You have a choice. Realign your focus. Stop. Amen? Stop getting distracted. What happens when we allow the distractions to speak louder than God's love? Two things, we've touched on it briefly. The situations and circumstances, these voices tend to take on a louder voice. Voices and lies of the enemy begin to call the shots in our life. They call the shots. Rather than consulting the love of God for decisions in your life, you've now consulted your situations and circumstances because that's what you're choosing to focus on. So rather than attacking them, looking at them, walking on water as a child of God, you've now looked at those things and said, what can I do and what can I not do? If Peter wouldn't have looked at Jesus, he would have never gotten out of the boat because the waves and the waves and whatever would have said, this is impossible for you to get out of the boat and walk on this. But he didn't consult them. He consulted Jesus. He asked him, if it's really you, tell me to come. And ultimately, the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So ultimately, we know that voices, if they're not God's, they're, they're lies. The ultimate end result is to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. It's not a protective defense mechanism. You may think you're trying to, def- to take care of yourself and protect yourself. But you're actually allowing things to steal, kill, and destroy from you. It, and eventually takes us out of the game. And the second thing I want to point out when we allow distractions to speak louder. We talked a second ago about the Israelites going into Jericho. They started to allow the giants in the land speak louder than God's promise. And what happened? Delay. Delay. They were still going to go into the promised land, but now their kids were going to go. They weren't. The promise was delayed because they started to believe voices that, in directions it wasn't God. Other things had a louder voice in their life, and delay happened. So there are things. God's love is still there. God's love is still present. But when we allow other voices to have a bigger say in our life, there are consequences. Praise God that just like in the skit, Jesus reached down and grabbed Peter and pulled him back up, and he's right there, and his grace is so sufficient. But there are things that happen because of that, which means I know where I want to live. I want to live focused on God's love. Amen? Amen. So stop being distracted. Stop being distracted. And the second one is open your eyes. You say, what does that mean? Open your eyes. Teach yourself to see the love of Jesus at work constantly. Teach yourself. You know, he's always working on your behalf. How many of you know that? How many of you know God is always working? He's always moving. He never sleeps. Amen? He's always going to work on our behalf. But sometimes we're not really good at seeing that. 
right? Sometimes we're not really good at looking for him working on our behalf because we've gotten distracted. We've started to look at all these other things, have a bigger voice in our lives, or maybe we've just gotten busy living life, right? But it's something that we get to do. We get to teach ourselves to see the love of Jesus at work constantly. It's easy, and we said this earlier, it's easy to see and experience lots of miracles and not to have an expectant heart. For many reasons, whether it's disappointment, lack of knowledge, maybe we haven't renewed our mind to what the Word of God says, having contrary thoughts. The disciples weren't even expecting Jesus to show up on the boat. They were in the middle of their storm. And what did they do when they saw Jesus walking in water? They were terrified and thought he was a ghost. They had just seen him feed 5,000 people, and they weren't even expecting him to show up in the middle of their storm. All the miracles the Israelites had seen, we mentioned that earlier, had, been, had, still, had seen, still kept them complaining and thinking that they had it better before God led them out of Egypt. Let us go back to slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. It was so much better there. But God still provided food. He still provided manna, quail, water. He, they had a cloud by day and a fire by night for Pete's sake. They saw God's presence. They heard it. They had encounters with him. They saw him and they still stopped seeing God at work on their behalf. Stopped expecting it and stopped looking for it. So this is not a condemnation to us in the room. This is just a, hey, if it happened to them, could it happen to us? Could we be individuals who stop expecting, stop looking, and stop seeing God on our behalf? Could it happen to us? I'm going to say a really big yes. Teach our, it's important that we teach ourselves to look for his love at work and allow it to work by focusing in on his love. A love-centered life staying focused on his eyes. I want to walk on my circumstances. I want to share a story. Um, some of it, many of you know some of our story and journey um, with uh, one of our children, Isaiah. We share the story many times. He's over here. Isaiah, can you give everybody a fist bump maybe? I don't know. Is he going to do it? Look at mama. Look at mama. Look at mama. There we go. I got a smile out of him. All right. Isaiah, um, it took us a while to even have children. Um, we'd been married for like four or five years and we started having, uh, wanting to have kids. It took a couple years, you know, six years before they were here. And even in the pregnancy, pregnancy wasn't an easy pregnancy. And near the end of the pregnancy, I was on bed rest at home for eight weeks, five in the hospital. My body just wanted to keep having the babies early. They wanted to come early. Okay, I'm going to stay away from over there. We'll come this way. Um, and... The, I was having routine ultrasounds and every single week because I was considered high risk. So with the routine ultrasounds, um, everything is going fine. And all of a sudden, one day, we went in for a routine ultrasound and the tech got really quiet. Kind of know where I'm going with that. When the tech got really quiet, so we're going to go get the doctor really quick. So I brought the doctor in. And that's when they noticed everything with Isaiah. He had hydrocephalus, um, which we would later find out was caused by a grade 4 brain bleed, which caused um, brain damage, which um, would eventually fall under the category of cerebral palsy. We were just young kids uh, at the time. These were our first children. And 
I remember it, you know, like all the different emotions. I'm so thankful that I knew the Lord in the midst of that season because he, his presence was just so right there. So grateful that I had faith to hang on to. But we embarked on a journey. Um, and Isaiah is a twin. Uh, he's 17. Um, they'll be 18 in November, which I can just send me all the, my baby. <laughs> we, have, we have twins that are about to be 18. We have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. So we have a wonderful house, but I'm about ready to have them, you know, move on. So I'm having a, <laughs> there's lots of emotions this year. Give me grace. But in it, um, you know, God's so good. But in that situation, those circumstances, there's moments that, um, we're, are great, and then there's moments, days that are tough, right? Lots of different surgeries, lots of different things that we walk through. And I'm so thankful because the Lord's used this story in our life to teach me to look for Him showing up. Because all throughout our journey, as much as there's some difficult days, like I've started to look that God has been so faithful to show up time and time again. Like, he's so good. And it teaches me to look for God's love in the middle of no matter what I'm going through, to look for him showing up. I mean, I could tell you stories of being in um, uh, operating rooms and in hospitals or even just moments where I'm at home. And like, and it, you know, just this overwhelming in the early days, this overwhelming sense of like grief and frustration would just come and just be frustrated. Um, but then I, but then, you know, like, then God would just show up with like the right person or the right text or just something. God would be amazing and I would see that. But one of the stories that came, I thought, okay, God, I just, God put in my heart that I was supposed to share with you, to take with you, just to remind us that God is always expressing his love towards us, that he's never stopping, but it's just part of us looking for it. One of my biggest struggles, um, and if you're close to me, I've probably told you this story, is that with Isaiah going to school, it was really difficult for me because when I sent my other children to school, when they came home, they could tell me about their day. They could talk to me. If somebody was mean to them, we could have a conversation. I could mom them through it. Their celebrations, their wins, their victories, right? I could sense what they were feeling. But when Isaiah went to school, that wasn't the case. He didn't have the capacity to share those things with me. So I remember having a conversation with the Lord. I was very clear with him, because you can have pointed conversations with the Lord. And I said, God, I said, this is going to go down one of two ways. <laughs> Thank God for his big shoulders, right? So this is going to go down one of two ways. Either A, I'm going to hear your voice very clearly, and you're going to speak to me every single thing that happens at school, and I'm going to know exactly how to mom him and take care of him and nurture him and be able to talk. I'm going to, you're going to tell me everything that I need to tell be told so that I can parent him because he's not going to miss any one of those things, right? I don't want any gaps there. I don't want him to walk through anything that nobody's talking him through. I said, so either that's going to happen or you're going to do it. Amen. One of the two. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear. I'm going to ask. But if you don't tell me, then you're going to parent him, which who better, right? So there have been many times along the path that I've walked in his room and I've looked at his face and I'm like, I just have this knowing, like the Holy Spirit's talking. And then there's been some things that 
um, we, you can see that, like Isaiah asking us, if you were with us a few, time, a few months back of um, Baptism Sunday, where Isaiah um, asked to be baptized. Um, he took us into his room and pointed at the screen. He pulled up, you know, the baptism announcement. He said, Isaiah, do that. We said, why? He said, it's about Jesus. And we said, well, why? He said, in heart. So we said, okay. Amazing. So we got him baptized. But there was a limitation. There's one, one, one story that I wanted to share, and that's we have three boys, and they're all teenagers. And, um, you know, teenagers get excited about certain fashions and things happening, and some of the kids in our house are starting to buy um, Nikes, you know, like cool hype shoes. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Anyway, um, all these cool things. They're starting to do these things. And um, Isaiah was here. on a Sunday morning, a gentleman came up to us and said, hey, uh, is it okay if I give your son a pair of shoes? Uh, talking about Isaiah, and we're like, okay, you know, didn't think much about it. And um, so the next week he showed up, and he was like, I'm just going to go give him his shoes. And I was like, oh, okay, but, you know, I don't know what kind of an interaction it will be. So he brings him shoes. Come to find out they're Nike uh, Air Jordans. Really cool shoes. <laughs> Bright red, really cool shoes. My other boys were jealous. But what blessed me was that Isaiah recognized the box and found out through asking certain questions, he wanted some Nikes too, not just his brothers, but didn't know how to communicate that to me. Didn't know how to communicate that to us. It wasn't even on our radar to find out. But what did the Lord do? The Lord went around our inability to figure it out, talked to somebody, told him to take care of our son, to bring him shoes, and so he is super excited, and I should have had him wearing them today. We didn't wear them today. Oh, that's okay. But super excited about these Nikes, which to me says, okay, God's always at work. He's always working. But we can miss those things. But if we can teach ourselves to look for them, he's always doing that. And that wasn't just an answer to his prayer. That was an answer to my prayer. Maria, I'm taking care of it. I'm taking care of your son. I'm hearing. I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm parenting him. Right? I'm providing, making sure that there isn't any holes, that there's not anything like that that he would miss. But so many times, God's doing that all the time. But if we don't teach ourselves to begin to look for that, I could have been like, okay, that's cool. And just gone right by it. But there's something that we have, and it's called the RAS, reticular activating system. And it's actually something inside of our brains that if you're, it, it teaches, your brain is trained to begin to recognize certain things. So for example, if you have a Ford Explorer, um, or you just buy a Ford Explorer, all of a sudden there's Ford Explorers all over the road. Can I get an amen? because now you're looking for them, but you never saw them before. It doesn't mean there's more out there now. It just means that now you're starting to look for them. But we can teach and train ourselves to look for the love of God in our lives on a daily basis. And I do that on a consistent basis. I have a journal. I write these things down because it keeps me stirred up. It keeps my perspective one of God loves me. He's looking out for me. Look at that. God did that for me. They can be big things. They can be seemingly small things. I tell the story all the time that God even paid attention to the pink color that I want in my house 
For sake of time, I won't share it here. But like God even took care of those things. He's going before you, but we have to teach ourselves to look for those things and to begin to open our eyes to see what God's doing because he's always moving. But it's something that we have to be intentional to do, right? So we have to stop being distracted and we have to open our eyes to look and see. God is moving. God is working on your behalf, but it's something that we have to tell ourselves to do. Amen? But then let me ask you this. Once we stop getting distracted and once we open our eyes to see what God's doing and the love of God at work in our lives, what then changes? What then changes? Our life will change, right? Because how we show up, how we act, how we do things, because now we're living from a different place. Can I get an amen? Listen, when you encounter the love of God, you can't stay the same. When you're walking like a child who's fully loved, who's fully embraced, who God loves and you know it, then you show up different. You show up different in your family, right? Why? Because if I don't believe that I'm loved, I show up carrying all of that baggage, all of the baggage from my, my own life, my insecurity, manipulation, rejection, all of that stuff then goes with me. But if I am constantly looking for the love of God, I know that I'm loved, right? And I'm reminding myself that nothing can separate me from that embrace, then I'm showing up differently. I'm showing up differently in my relationships. I'm showing up differently at work. It affects my life. It affects your habits. It affects even how you take care of yourself physically because if you know you're loved, then you're valued, then you're gonna take care of your temple in that manner. You're not gonna disrespect it. Your finances, how you do your finances will be different because you're gonna use your finances as a child of God who's loved. Habits, addictions, how you reach out to other people. You won't be reaching out insecure. You're gonna be reaching out as a child of God. It doesn't matter if you're rejected, right? And when God asks you to take faith walks or to step out by faith, what would be different? Looking at the eyes of Jesus, would you be the disciples stuck in the boat? Or what is God asking you to do that maybe you haven't even seen? But when you see his eyes, he's telling you to come and it's, it's something you're supposed to do to walk on your circumstances, something he's calling you to do that isn't run by your circumstances, but that you're the one in control. But it's because we need to change our perspective. What would be different? When you encounter the love of God, you can't stay the same when we're looking for it, when we stop being distracted, and his embrace is there. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on out. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on out. We're gonna sing, we're gonna, in closing today, we're gonna sing a song. And it's a song that God's used over, over and over again in my life over the last few years. And it's actually interesting because it was already on the set play, a playlist for today. Um, we were going to ask Pastor Josue to see if we could do it at the end. And it was already there. And it's the goodness of God's song. And it's important to bring ourselves into this place to remind ourselves that nothing can separate us from God's love. And one of the ways you do that is to recount it. And there's some lines in this song that say, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. All my life. I'm going to teach myself to see your love. I'm going to stand here in the middle of whatever I'm going through. 
I'm going to shift my perspective. I'm going to look for you. And if I need to continue to pull my perspective back into line with your word constantly, God, I'm going to do that with your love, that I'm loved, that I'm a child of God, that nothing can separate me. All these things, their whole reason they're there is because they want to, they want to try to pull me away. They can't physically do it, but I can shift my gaze. So God, I'm going to intentionally right here in this moment, I'm going to put my gaze on you. Nothing can separate me from your love. Nothing can separate me from your love. I'm going to live my life as a child who's been fully loved. And everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie. It doesn't matter what I've walked through. God still loved you. You've never, ever been separated from the love of God. So anything that would try to tell you that you have is a lie. You may have walked through some stuff, but guess what? His embrace was right there all the way through all of it. You may have lived through some stuff, but his embrace is there all the way through it. And if we hang on to it, we get to walk and the circumstances don't get to take us out and down, right? He's always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning. I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're just gonna practice that. We're gonna remind ourselves that God loves us this morning. I don't know, maybe you need to refocus. Maybe the distractions have been speaking really loud. Maybe we need to stop being distracted. Maybe that's you. Maybe we need to teach ourselves to see his love in action and set our minds on his love and open our eyes. Maybe we need to exchange some lies for the truth and believe his words to allow his love to operate in our lives. Whatever it is, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to realign and encourage you today. Listen, you're not alone. You're not unloved. Nothing can separate you from God's love. It's consistent and it's constant and nothing can separate, separate you from his love. All my days, he's been faithful. All my days, he's been so good. I'm gonna stand in the middle of, of every victory, in the middle of, every of everything that I'm walking through that might be difficult, every valley. And I'm gonna declare, all my days you've been good. All my days, all my days, God, you've been so faithful. The goodness of God is overtaking my life. Your mercy and your goodness, they follow me, they chase after me. It doesn't matter what I feel. I choose to take my eyes off of that. And I choose to keep my eyes on you. God, you always cause me to triumph. You always cause me to overcome. God, I choose to align. And can you imagine what God can do with a church who's focused on the love of Jesus, who is laser focused and they begin to follow him. He says, come. And it doesn't matter what wind, it doesn't matter what waves, it doesn't matter what's standing in their way. They just begin to walk out on the water. They begin to walk over their circumstances because they're following after God's love. They give God their yes. That's what it means to give God your yes. Yes, God, yes, you have my yes. He says, come. I say, okay, I'm going for it. I'm following after you. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I follow after him, amen? I'm not gonna be distracted and I'm gonna open my eyes. And so I'm gonna invite you this morning, I'm gonna invite you to come on forward and to worship, to get out of your seat, to come out of where you're sit sitting because sometimes we need to shake it up. I know the time, as soon as this is done, then we're gonna close and dismiss. But I think it's important that we as a church say, listen, all my days you've been faithful. I'm gonna stop being distracted. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna open my eyes and I'm gonna start focusing on the love of God. I'm gonna live my life in that way. Amen. And we're going to stand and we're going to say all my, all my days, all my days, God, I've refocused on God's love. I'm going to teach myself to see God's love in action. Pastor Sway, go ahead and lead us. I love you, Lord.
Every hand lifted up in this room. Come on and sing. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I'm made. Every breath that I am made. I will sing. more time all my life Thank you. You can you can keep playing underneath me. But when the word goes forth, it produces a harvest. And so, Lord, I just begin to pray over every single person in the room. Whatever mindset or whatever thing has been plaguing them and keeping them from being able to receive your love, whatever depression, and even if it's just a demonic thing, we just command that to go in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for freedom in this room. I thank you for the ability to see and understand and comprehend, God, your love for them, that they are loved. God, I thank you for a revelation, Holy Spirit, that only you can give, just even flowing into the hearts of your people, God, this morning. Lord, I just even see it just like flowing into people's spirits right now, God, that they just receive, like in here, not with their head knowledge, God, but with their in time, their spirit receives the fact that they are loved, that all the lies, all the other things, I thank you that they're exposed right now in the name of Jesus, that those mindsets and those thoughts, those, those places that they've been living from that are not, that are not truth, we command those things to to be exposed for what they are. They are lies in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you that eyes are open to see and understand the truth. God, that they are loved. God, that they see your love. God, I pray that you would open eyes this morning, God, to be able to see how you have come through time and time again. God, how you've been loving them, how your hands have been extended, God, but maybe they've been missing it because their eyes have been clouded like a deception over their eyes. I command eyes to be open to be able to see that. God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal that to them right now. God, I thank you that you minister, God, deep within God, if there's hurts, if there's rejection, God, that is settled into hearts and spirits, God, I just pray for del just deliverance from that, just freedom right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister, God, you would bring healing, God, you would bring restoration and freedom from that. I come against rejection right now in the name of Jesus. I command it to go in the name of Jesus. That's not who we are. We don't walk around rejected. That doesn't belong on a child of God. We call that stuff out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I come against insecurity in the room. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you that we are secure in Christ. God, I thank you that you we exchange lies and we receive your truth. So I just come against anything, almost like little things on people's shoulders, like little voices whispering in your ears. And you walked in with them, and I think maybe just even still sitting out there. Those things are not from God. Those lies that you listen to are not from Him. They're not God's words speaking to you. 
They're not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be speaking into your life. They're not his words. So you just tell him to go in the name of Jesus. You tell those voices, they don't get to call the shots. They don't belong on you. They're not a part of a you. They're not a part of a child of God. It's like they've been whispering in your ear. It's been tormenting almost, or just even whispering lies. They don't get to call the shots anymore, but you have to stand up and tell them to go. You have to tell them in the name of Jesus, you don't get to speak that to me anymore. I'm a child of God. You dismiss it. You say it has no authority. But then, church, our job is to get into the Word of God and to understand the truth. So if that's been you, if you've heard that, you tell it to go, but then you dive in and you fill your heart and your spirit and your mind with the truth of the Word of God so you can identify the lie when it comes and you live from the truth. It doesn't please God that you stay living from that same place of questioning or wondering or that nobody's coming to help you or that you're alone. That doesn't please Him. What pleases Him when you can see and live from the place of being fully embraced. But the cool part is, is that He wants to help you get there. So Father, we just thank you. We seal all that you're doing. God, we seal the ministry that you're doing. We seal that in your name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. God, we thank you for deliverance. We thank you for freedom. God, we thank you that you're calling us higher. You're calling some people in this room out of the boat. You're calling them out of the boat. And I just believe the Lord's saying to you, quit, quit looking at the waves, quit looking at the storm, quit looking at the impossibilities and start walking on it because He's calling you out of the boat. He's calling you out of the boat. You've listened to it far too long. You've listened to it far too long. Stop giving it more voice in your head than He gives you. And I'll say it this way, stop giving it more voice in your head than I give you from the Lord. Stop giving it more voice than God gives you. It's time you step out of the boat. It's time you step out of the boat. It's time you step out of the boat. It's time you stop allowing yourself to be distracted. It's time you teach yourself to see the love of God. Lord, we receive that. We thank you for your presence in this room. With every head bowed and every eyes closed in this room, I wanna give you an opportunity if you've not given your life to Jesus. Maybe you did at one point and you walked away. Nobody moving, you can stay right here. But I just, with every eyes, every eyes, all eyes closed and every head bowed. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all, every one of us needs a savior and Jesus is that savior. He sent his son to die on a cross for us. But I wanna give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. So on the count of three, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did and you've walked away from Him and it's been a long time and it's time to realign and come back into relationship with Him. On the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up. We're gonna pray for you right where you are, but we don't want you to leave here. Do not leave here without a relationship with God. Do not leave here without giving your life to Him. Do not leave here and miss that. He loves you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. He wants you to encounter his love that's the first step so with every eye closed every head bowed on the count of three if that's you and you need to give your life to the Lord put your hand up on the count of three we want to pray with you right where you are one two three put your hands up there's one two I'm looking I'm looking for hands three four 
five. I don't know if that was a hand up. If it's you, keep your hand up so I can see it. Looking around. Okay. Five, that might be five, six, somewhere in there. Three, four, five, six. Well, there's five or six. I saw that one. All right, praise God. Everybody, we're gonna pray this together so they're not alone. We're gonna celebrate God for those five or six that raised their hand. I love that, we're gonna, we're gonna pray. There's nothing magic about the prayer. The prayer, the, the way that works is just the position of your heart saying, yes, Jesus, you be my Lord and Savior. So just repeat this after me all together so you're not alone. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I know that I've sinned. I know I've walked away from you. I ask you to forgive me, save me, cleanse me, be my Lord and Savior, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me now. I am your son or daughter. I am a child of God. I am deeply loved by God. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate that? Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.